Hi, welcome to Life, Death, and the Space Between podcast. I'm Dr. Amy Robbins, a licensed clinical psychologist and medium. And here we explore life, death, consciousness, and what it all means. Today, I'm honored to have Leslie Joan Lupo, an intuitive practitioner at the famed Canyon Ranch and is internationally known for her accuracy. She is a gifted healer, a neuro-linguistics programming specialist, and a near-death experiencer. She has a unique and rare gift for explaining the science behind intuition and spiritual phenomenon. After being killed by a stampede of horses, her profound near-death experience resulted in her groundbreaking new book entitled Remember. Every breath is precious. Dying taught me how to live. Welcome, Leslie. It's wonderful to be here. Thank you so much for your time today. So I just finished your book and it was riveting. What happened to you, your journey, as you call it, upstairs. Can you tell my listeners what happened and what you experienced when you crossed over? Because we were talking briefly a little bit before, but it is really one of the most vivid accounts that I've read about in terms of the description of what it is like upstairs. Well, um, I was working at a dude ranch, which is a, a lovely hotel with horses, Tanka Verde Ranch. And I had helped out because one of the cowboys was not quite uh, well, so he, he went home. I jumped in the wrangling program to help out. I was married to the owner and you kind of go wherever you're needed. Uh, Two of the horses got out and ran down to the feed barn with their saddles on. And at the end of the day, there there was about 80 or 90 horses all standing side by side. And so what happened was the... um, uh, I, I started to try to wiggle between the two of them to get to up to their heads so I could put a halter on and take them back up to finish the saddle unsaddling. Um, for, you know, I got kind of stuck on the saddles and I turned around and I grabbed each back of the saddle to push myself through up to their heads because they would not budge. They were eating and they're like, you know, see you in 20 minutes, leave me alone. Um, at that point, it was almost like something shifted and I popped out of my body. At that time, I would have said my mind because I was like very, very agnostic, bordering on atheist at the time. I had no interest in spiritual life. I had no interest in God. If if someone said, do you believe in it? I would have probably voted absolutely not rather than yes. That's why I liked agnostic. You didn't have to vote. That's the way I thought it. <laughs> but the reality was I was pretty strong on the other side. Um, and I stood about 10 feet away and I watched myself struggling. And all I could think of was what? Oh, it's all I could think of that popped in my head. All of a sudden, one of the horses to my left, my my mind's left, screamed out, and then about seven or eight horses just took off running. 
and I got caught in the stampede and I witnessed it. What had happened was when they started moving, my body swung around, the stirrup went up my arm into my armpit, and I was scrambling so hard to stay on my feet as the horses were running because I did not want to get trampled. Mm-hmm. Screaming for help. And the horse that I was hanging on to was very frightened because they didn't know why one of the horses bolted. Um, could have been a mountain lion, as far as they know. And I'm dragged. So the horse was kicking at me, hitting me with his head, and finally just slammed me into the side of the hay barn. And I flopped out of the stirrup after another couple steps and just flew about five feet away. And I watched all this. Now, part of the interesting thing was, if someone had watched me die like that, they would have said, oh my gosh, Leslie suffered so much. And I didn't. I didn't suffer at all. I didn't feel anything other than this extraordinary, extraordinary serenity and peacefulness. Like so it sounds like your soul left your body before yes. all of that happened. Yes, my soul definitely left. Like I said, at the time, I would have said mind, but it was definitely my soul. My The immortal soul part of you popped out a few seconds before the stampede. And the serenity and peacefulness I watched as it happened. And it was just like the completion of a circle. It was done and it was perfect. And it's like taking off a body girdle that's four sizes too small. I felt as if all my cells had separated and there was this beautiful breeze coming through it. I just felt so fresh. Hmm. And I looked at my body and I knew it was a corpse. I knew I was dead. There was no doubt in my mind that I wasn't just having a, you know, a dream or that this, I was unconscious because everything is very super real. Like you're sitting in your home, I'm sitting in my home, and someone couldn't walk in and say, oh, you're not doing this, this is a dream. You would say, no, I'm here, I'm, I'm in my body. Um, so I, the first thing that popped in my mind was I was very shocked. I thought, this is it? This is what everyone's so afraid of? I'm still here. I'm still thinking. Hmm. And I noticed that all my senses senses were like heightened times 10. Um, The colors were brighter, the sounds, the smell, my hearing, my vision. It was everything was so much more vivid and very accelerated. And I saw the, the horses coming in on the last two rides with the cowboys on them. And I felt such a sweep of nostalgia because I knew what they were going to do. It was like, oh, I've done that before. They're going to lock the gate, you know. And at that point, Tucson began to fade away. And it was as if it was transforming and I was beginning to watch another level. It was like what they do when they fade out in a movie where they go from one scene to another. Mm-hmm. It was just like a transition. So as Tucson began to get paler, this other world began to come into view. And I didn't feel like I was going in a tunnel and floating. 
as much as I was kind of moving sideways in a way. And I remember thinking, I wonder if this has always been here, but now I can see it. Because it was, it was just an odd sensation. And the world that I moved over into was is just, it was a beautiful forest. And it was a thick, heavy oak forest with lots of um, moss on rocks and lots of beautiful flowers. And behind me was a river. It was flowing, you know, behind me and then around to my right. And the amount of, of love that I felt was so intensified. It was that kind of selfless love. If you've ever had the experience of giving someone a gift and they've opened it up and they look directly in your eyes and you just go, oh, you know, because your nose is perfect. We get that little chill in our tummy and it's such a flutter in our heart. Well, that was like head to toe. And, and actually, I also tell people to close their eyes, revisit that memory and then expand it through your to your toes and to your fingertips because you can take that same feeling and make it go through your whole body and that's that selfless love that we have that's so important you know and so um then um you know i began to walk around a little but you don't really walk it's almost like you look at something and then you're there or you might take two steps to get there. It was kind of like walking. Like floating? Like you're kind of floating, but moving? Well, it wasn't a linear moving. It would be like if you looked at your door or your windows behind you, and then all of a sudden you just are there. There's hmm. no feeling of step, 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 step. It's just mm-hmm. you're, you're there. Mm-hmm. Although when I turned to look at the table with the people and I went there it was like almost I was halfway there and then I was there and then when Rao and I walked around and Rao for for those who haven't read your book can you tell because I I I would encourage people to read it just because it's so beautiful and really really profound and I'm going to read an excerpt at the end a little bit from it that really stuck with me but I went over to the table and there was a lot of cheering that I heard. You're back, you know, hello again, that kind of sensing. And it was all predominantly telepathic. Mm -hmm. There, There were certain, there were chairs around, 11 people were there. I walked up and I sat at, I went to a specific chair. It must've been my chair because, um, I didn't remember everything. I was kind of groggy. As alert as I was on earth, up here, I was very a little sluggish. And I sat down, and on my uh, left was a woman that I heard the name Mina. And she's someone I would see often as a child. When I was really little, I could see this woman from time to time. And then on my right was Rao. And um, everybody looks, as far as I could see by looking at my hands also, everyone looks around 2022 
but the depth of wisdom in the eyes is very, very different. Mm. Um, and that's where you would, but eyes as a, they're, they're not in physical bodies, but you see physical bodies? Is that? I see physical bodies. Yeah, okay. I was in a physical body and they were all in physical bodies. Now, they weren't see-through, but all of us had this blue light kind of streaming off of us. Kind of like, it wasn't like we were holograms. It looked very solid, but everything was lit from within. Um, it would be like maybe 10% hologram because it wasn't a rock solid, but they had this beautiful blue, the kind of blue that's uh, in neon signs, mm -hmm. all, including myself. We all kind of had this beautiful blue energy flowing off of us. You could kind of see how it flowed off of you. And um, they you know, welcome to me back. I sat down. They showed me what had happened, what had caused the horses to spook. And I saw it from a bird's eye view. There were some wavy lines and it would manifest. I didn't see buttons or anything like that. Nobody flipped a switch. It would just all of a sudden these wavy lines would form a sphere. And in that sphere, I would be watching these little three-dimensional movies for all the times that I had to look at something different. Like they showed me shots of my life on earth from childhood um, till, till now. And then I was given a choice. And that was the difference was that um, I could either choose to stay up there and go back to my soul group, which this was. Mm-hmm. And go back to the, you know, the work that we were doing up there. Or I could um, return to Earth and, you know, pick up where I left off. And at that point... Sort of, right? <laughs> sort of. Well, <laughs> yes. Well, things had to change, but right. um, I could return to Earth and you know, start my earth life again, just kind of uh, start that all over again. So, you know, we talked a little bit and, um, you know, I started to walk around with Rao to see different areas. I saw what was like the Godhead or the divine or the point, because as we were moving along and talking about what was going on I could feel this extreme I, I felt like I was being adored by something that was very specifically looking at me and I looked up and there was this little you know how you see like a water drop hit water and it puts the ripples out it was almost like the sky was rippling from one point it wasn't a sun it wasn't lighting because everything was lit from within. And around it, there were these amazing, uh, it looked like mandala patterns. And I could hear singing, very faint singing. And um, I just felt adored. I felt like this was the center where everything streamed out of, the center of creation. 
And it's, it wasn't a he or she, well, I can't say it because that it sounds so it, it, impersonal. So I wound up afterwards calling it divine, you know, mm-hmm. divine mind or, but I felt totally adored. And I also felt like I could float up and go into it. And Rao put my, his hands on my shoulder. And then also to the side of it, it was as if I could see through the sky was the floor to another totally different realm because I could see um, things moving beyond the sky, but it was almost like a ceiling. So I kind of had the sense that we were in a bubble and that there were other bubbles like that. You know, like when you're blowing bubbles and some of them stick together. Mm -hmm. I felt like that. I felt this is the realm I come back to. In fact, at one point, we were standing on a cliff, and I was looking down at this whole village this, on, the, on the beach of this huge limitless ocean. And again, on the horizon, I could see other bubbles. And that was a whole nother realm, a uh, village. And um, Rao said that we had gone down there from time to time when we come back, but that we preferred this forest. Mm-hmm. So it's as if there's lots of different realms for lots of different people. You but know. different like soul groups are in different realms type of thing? Well, there's lots of soul groups in our realm. Mm-hmm. One of the things I noticed as I was walking and going up to the center village that, or the big village that I was closest to was I could see villages like a mile, half a mile away, then another village a mile away over the top of a hill, totally another village. And those are all, um, as was explained to me, those are all the younger souls. It's like, and the way that I use this as an analogy, it's like if you go start school, you go to baby playgroups, and then you go to pre-kindergarten and kindergarten, and then you go through grade school and junior high. So it seemed like that would be the analogy of saying some of those villages were for the younger, younger souls. And that as you progress, you actually will go back into a younger village and be a teacher so that you can also be bringing them along. Um, And then when I went back to the village, um, I finally met back with Mina, I met a couple of very divine beings that were helping me process to make a decision. Because Mina had said, and Rao said, look, at don't, don't hurry it along. Of all the people at the table, the only two I talked to were Mina and Rao. And, um, which is funny, because in astrology, Rao in Ayurvedic astrology, Rao, which is the moon, goes through Mina, which is Pisces, once every 20 years. And that's exactly where it was during my accident, was that mm-hmm. Rao, the moon was going through, um, transiting through Mina, uh, Pisces. So it was one of those odd little quirks. Um, I sat down then with the second group, and we talked a lot about what my group will do. You know, what do I do if I come back? What's what will I do if I go back to Earth? We talked about how you pick your your parents. We talked about um, you know the soul evolution, 
how, what do you do with someone if they, they really go off the rails, you know, because they're all, everyone picks their curriculum. And the, the, the underlying theme there was reincarnation. Now, at that point, again, I didn't know anything about it. I didn't mm-hmm. know any, you know, wasn't interested. But the underlying theme seemed to be that the soul goes back again and again. And the schooling upstairs is, is as exciting and desirable as leisure time is here. You know, to sit on the beach and watch the waves come in and have a beer is, seems to be a lot of people want just to hang out and not do anything. And upstairs, you have all the leisure time in the world, but what are you doing? You're in schools, you know, you're in, you're in, we did, I did decide finally after a lot of um, discussion, I decided to come back. And then all of a sudden they changed direction and they were trying, it, it sounded to me like they were trying to talk me into it. Then when I changed and said, okay, finally, yes, I will go. Cause at first I was like, no, thank you. I'm not going back. There's no mm-hmm. way. Uh, then they started trying to talk me out of it. Not really, but they kept saying, okay, you're going to be very isolated. It's going to take you several years. You know, when you're talking about several years and you're upstairs, it's like, what is that? It's like nothing. Right, because time is completely different, right? Completely different. And, not- and so, and but you're all enthusiastic. You know, the, I have to say that when I, going back to when I first landed, you have no fear, you know, in that primal brain, the fight or flight reflex, the animal brain or the reptilian brain, depending on who you're talking to. That fear energy is hardwired into us. It's, it's, it's in our DNA. It stops us from, you know, walking off a cliff. Um, we have a biological survival of the body. And yet when I first began to be aware of the sensations of being in heaven or what I call upstairs, um, I absolutely had zero fear. So I had no tension. I had no worries. I wasn't overwhelmed. Like, where am I? What's going on? I had no panicky. So when we were sitting at the very end and they're telling me this is going to be very difficult, it's going to be very you're going to be alone. You'll be um, in your physical body. It will be a struggle, first of all, for your body to heal. Then you've got to go and, you know, do all this, you know, relate to things again, get grounded on the earth, and that it would take several years. And I just was in that fearless state. You're like, fine, I can do it. You know, and well, I did. I, there were times when I kind of looked at the gang and said, you know, you should have shown me one of those pictures. Right. Right. And, and was there, I mean, you had the beauty and you got to choose whether or not you wanted to remember this experience, right? Yes. They did ask me, do you want to remember this? And um, we talked a little bit about that. And they had said, it's, it will be more difficult for you if you do. However, you will be able to do better work if you do. 
Hmm. And so, um, you know, part of my is writing the book and being a therapist and helping people. And it definitely adjusted me getting into a body, mind, spirit connection. So I automatically said, yes, it didn't occur to me to really think a lot about that. Should I remember or not? But Why do you think it was it was more difficult remembering? Like I would think the opposite because knowing that you were back here, but knowing that there was this whole other beautiful realm that exists that you will get to eventually. I would think if you came back and you were in this physical body that was so pained and destroyed and you had to do all the therapy to get back and um, that, that having not remembered would have made it so much more of a struggle of like, why do I even want to be here? This is so painful. Um, there's a couple of things. First of all, it's very isolating in the sense that this was 31 years ago. Mm-hmm. I had ne- I was an atheist agnostic, which means all of my social network were ashes to ashes, dust to dust. That's it. I had no one to speak to because when you're back in your human mind, you've got that hard drive that still is there with the fight or flight reflex. The interesting thing is as much as I never doubted it, it's everyone was treating me like I was crazy. And even when I left, um, you know, I mentioned in my book going into a spiritual group and being told to leave the group because I was wacko. And it, it's something that um, it, and when you, you feel isolated because you have this extraordinary experience and nobody wants to hear it, they start treating you like you're doing something wrong. Then that's why it was very difficult. And that's why I, re- there was a couple times I did say to myself, I wish I'd chosen not to remember. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. as much as when I'm falling asleep at night or I'm talking to someone who is interested, um, it's amazing to me how many people have on all my social media, I'm on all social media, and it amazes to me how many times a month I have to delete people or block them because they're super aggressive as if um, I'm demonic or, uh, you know, it's, it's amazing how it irritates people mm-hmm. that organized religions would be grabbing you. But I think because I talked to Jesus and then I talked to Saraswati, you know, who I had no idea was before um, I had to look her up when I got back. Yeah. I don't know who that is. That's the goddess of knowledge in the Hindu religion. And the fact that I talked to both of them is very offensive to some people, you know, because there's so many light beings and there's so many amazing elders and healers that have come down in multitudes of incarnations and different names and places to elevate. And to me, they're all from God, you know, Mm -hmm. the source. Um, But 
it was amazing to me how people either hugged you for your experience or tried to throw you under the bus, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it was, um, it was very interesting. The reactions I've had, uh, it took me probably about 15 years. I had so much flack over it in the beginning that I just put it on the back burner. And even when I went back into my spirituality, I went back into my intuitive part that it had as a child that I had turned off. Um, I still never talked about it to hardly anybody because every time you'd get to a group and you'd mention that people, you could almost see them like sit back and say, huh, okay. Oh, you're one of those, you know, Mm -hmm. like you're a fruitcake. People have such bad stigmas put on them. Um, And even today, someone had sent me a beautiful email saying that he had had a near-death experience and two years ago, and was literally put into a psychiatric unit mm. by his doctor. I was threatened with it, but now he's got that on his the for the rest of his life. He has on his record. Thank you so much for sharing that. I mean, that story is amazing. And for anybody who wants to read it, you can read the whole all the details of it because it's so much more vivid than even you described. And if you're interested in learning more about Leslie, you can find her at lesliejoanlupo.com. And this information will also be in my show notes. And next week, we will be continuing this conversation and looking at some of the science behind near-death experiences. And Leslie will explain some of what she has learned and some of what has been studied about her in part two of our interview remember every breath is precious. Like what you heard today and want to hear more? Curious about what comes next and what it all means? You can subscribe on iTunes. Just go to podcasts and find life, death, and the space between and hit subscribe. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Dr. Amy Robbins. Ask me any questions you might have. Let me know what else you'd love to hear about or just share your story. I can't wait to hear from you.